Ten years ago, I didn't know Ninth Street Christian Church existed. I didn't know any of you were here. I probably could have guessed that there was a Ninth Street in Eldon. Uh, I probably, oh, I know I could have guessed that there was a Christian church in Eldon, but I wouldn't have known that the two went together. Ten years ago, we were getting ready to jump into 2010, and here we, well, I stand, you sit. Here we are poised to jump into a new decade. And, and when, we, when we approach a new year, it's normal to, to look back on, on the previous year that you've just finished, think through the things that maybe you did well. Um, I saw some different Facebook posts of, of opportunities for people to share things that, that they're really proud of in the year, in the year before. And, um, and, you know, obviously we, we look back and there's probably some things in, in the year that just finished that are like, I'm glad that's over. And the new year kind of has this opportunity for a new start. There's all these opportunities that come with a new year, and, and this year is, is somewhat special because we don't just start a new year, we, we start a new, a new decade. We're in the 20s. My whole life, I've, when I've thought about the 20s, I've thought about history of 20s that have, of the 1920s, um, and yet here we are getting ready to, to begin the 20s. And so the, this morning, as we, as we get ready to embark on a new decade, as we stand before this transitional moment, I want us to, to take a look at the book of Deuteronomy. So if you have a Bible, I'd invite you to turn to the book of Deuteronomy, or if you, if you have one on, on your phone, um, that's, that's good too. Um, so uh, if, you, if you want to pull out a Bible, we're going to be in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, this morning. See, the book of uh, Deuteronomy takes place at this, at this transitional moment. They had been set free from slavery in Egypt. They had, they had come out. God had delivered them. They had heard God speak to them from Mount Sinai. All these, all these, these commands, God gave the rest of the commands through Moses because the people were scared. And then they proceeded to disobey the commands. They didn't trust the Lord. They were kind of punished with, with 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And when, and when you read wilderness in the Bible, read desert, okay, because um, they're in the Middle East. So <laughs> that, that kind of wilderness is, is the desert. They had, they'd wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and now Moses was going to die soon and pass the reins off to Joshua, and the people were finally about ready to cross over into the promised land. What a transitional moment that was. And so at that moment, Moses gives them this speech that we call Deuteronomy. Now, I know you weren't necessarily expecting a Greek lesson, especially as we're talking about the Old Testament, which is written in Hebrew, but Deuteronomy literally means another law. So deutero is another or second, and nomos means law. And so that's why we have this weird named book in our Bible, uh, because it's not, it's not a different law. It's just Moses is going to give a recap of, of the law. And so when you get to this part in your Bible reading plans, you're like, okay, I've been through the second half of Exodus. I've been through Leviticus. I've been through Numbers. And we're seriously going to go through all of this again. And well, yeah, 
Moses is giving this speech uh, to remind them one more time before they go into the land the, the importance of what they've just experienced, what they've heard, what they've known. So in chapter 5, Moses goes through, I know I said we're in chapter 6, but I'm just going to recap chapter 5. Chapter 5, he goes through and recaps the, the Ten Commandments moment there of, of hearing God's voice speaking to them from the mountainside, giving the Ten Commandments, and them being utterly terrified. Like, I can't even believe I'm not dead right now, is kind of the way that they express it. So then we get to Deuteronomy chapter 6. He says this, And this is the instruction, the laws and the rules that the Lord your God has commanded me to impart to you, to be observed in the land that you are about to cross into and occupy, so that you, your children, and your children's children may revere the Lord your God and follow as long as you live all his laws and commandments that I enjoin upon you to the end that you may long endure. Obey, O Israel, willingly and faithfully, that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey as the Lord, the God of your fathers, spoke to you. We'll stop there for a sec. And so as we start a new year, many of you are going to start um, a new Bible reading plan. Um, and if you haven't made plans to do that, I would encourage you to. Um, reading through the Bible in a year is a good thing, um, especially when people can read through the Harry Potter series in like a month. Um, I think you can do the Bible uh, in a year. I think we got this. So um, but, but when, we, when we approach it, often this is the place we get bogged down, right, is in these first five books because it's just this list of rule after rule after rule after rule, and we're like, man, what do we even, does this even have anything to do with me? Like, thank God for Jesus. Like, literally, thank God for Jesus. Because, man, we now we just have to love God and love other people, right? Which is ironic because Jesus said that those two commandments sum up the law and the prophets, the part that we get bogged down in. And so I, I just wanted to, real quick, give you a couple tips, hopefully, that will, that will help you um, maybe as you, as you navigate that um, here early on in the year. So hopefully you can press through um, and, and really appreciate God's character when you, uh, when you approach the law. So uh, the first thing I want to I point out about, about the law is what, is what we just read. So he says um, for these people to, to obey these laws and commandments to the end that you may long endure. And then verse 3, he says, to obey that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in this land of blessing. So uh, the first thing we need, we need to recognize about the law is that it wasn't intended as like, all right, I'm going to give you this great land with all this wonderful stuff in it, but I'm going to make sure you don't have any fun. Yeah, I'm going to give you all these laws you have to follow so that I can just make sure you don't enjoy yourselves. Actually, it's, it's the exact opposite. He gives these laws so that they can live for a long time and enjoy the blessings that God is, is giving them. And often through our eyes, we read through some of these laws and we're like, really? Like, I don't, I don't know about that. But yet we have to kind of get, get behind the law itself. And what I mean by that, this is kind of the second thing that I want you to see about, about the law here, is that... Um, you have to get to the law behind the example. So the way that our law functions in our country is kind of we, we reference this law 
And that's the rule, right? And we just say, well, did they break this rule or did they not break this rule? And that's, that's not really how the law in the Old Testament works. You can, you can find all sorts of loopholes if you're looking for them in the Old Testament. So one great example is you shall not muzzle an ox while it's threshing. Okay, well, I don't have an ox. You know, I have a cow. I can muzzle my cow, right? I can use it to tread out the grain instead of my ox because I can muzzle that because that, that's a loophole. That's not, really, that's not the point. The, it's, it's kind of similar to, to when you tell your kids, don't go, don't go play on the street. Is there anything morally wrong about the street as a location? No. Like, it's, it's not like it's somehow wrong or evil to go play in the street. The point is, I don't want my kids to get hit by a car. And so I tell them not to go play in the street. Because especially my kids, they don't have the awareness to move out of the way if a car is coming. They're, they're not big enough to really have that kind of awareness. And let's be honest, a lot of drivers don't have the awareness of moving out of the way if they see a kid in the street. And so I tell my kids, don't go play in the street. But that being said, I once laid down on Interstate 80 in Nebraska. And there was nothing wrong about it because there was like a six semi pileup and I was stuck there for like four hours. And so me and my friends were like, we can like lay down on the interstate. This is something not many people can say they've done. And there was nothing wrong with it because it was a different circumstance altogether. And so the, the principle behind the rule for my kids is I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want you to, I don't want something to harm you. Which applies much more broadly than just whether or not they play in the street. It applies to the way that they play in the house. I don't let them play with the electrical outlets either. It's the same principle behind the rule. And, and we see that in many of the laws in the Old Testament, going back to our ox law here, about not muzzling an ox while it's treading out the grain. Okay, if I don't have an ox, that doesn't mean that that law doesn't apply to me. Or if I'm not a farmer, that doesn't apply to me. The, the idea behind this law is this idea that that God cares about how you treat those who are working for you. Paul, Paul uses it in the New Testament to even um, speak to a church about the paying people who minister for them. I'm thankful he makes that example. There's, there's something behind it. And so uh, the, the little tip I would give you for that is, is ask the question when you, when you come to these laws, what does God actually care about here? Paul even asked the question, is it for oxen that God is concerned? <laughs> With a rhetorical answer of no. I mean, I guess if you literally have an oxen that's treading out grain, don't put a muzzle on it. But for most of us, that's not the application of that law. It applies more, more broadly than that. So asking that question of what is it that God cares about in this law? And some of them, you're going to read through and you're going to be like, well, what does God care about here? And you're going to go... I have no idea, and then you move on, and that's okay. But some of them, you might, you might read it and you say, oh, wow, maybe God cares about something more than just this bird on the side of the road. Maybe it's, it's sustainability. God cares for his people. God cares for his creation. And so asking those questions as you, as you read through the law will help you to see what the psalmist saw when he said that he delights in the law of the Lord. 
Let's keep going here uh, into verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, or listen. Kind of like you, tell, you might tell your kids or if you're a teacher or your students, you know, listen to me. <laughs> okay, it doesn't mean just let the sound waves go in, but just listen, O Israel. The Lord, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Take to heart these instructions with which I charge you this day. Impress them upon your children. Recite them when you stay at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them serve as a symbol on your forehead. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to assign to you. Great and flourishing cities that you didn't build, houses full of good things that you didn't fill, hewn cisterns that you didn't hew, vineyards and olive groves that you didn't plant, and you eat your fill. Take heed that you do not forget the Lord who freed you from the land of Egypt, the house of bondage. He says, remember the Lord. Don't forget the Lord. And he gives us a, a way to do that. He says, talk about it literally all the time. And you know, and if that's not enough, just like like put it on, like tie it on your wrist. Like put it on your forehead. This these laws. Don't forget. Remember, write it, write it on your doorposts. So that way when you go in and when you come out, you, you see the law of the Lord and you remember the goodness of the Lord, that he's given us a way to, to enjoy the land. He's given us a way to endure, to increase, and that things may go well. Remember that. Remember the one who, who gave these things to you. Don't forget him. He's the one has freed you from the land of Egypt, the house of bondage. Verse 13, revere only the Lord your God and worship him alone and swear only by his name. Do not follow other gods, any gods of the peoples about you. For the Lord your God in your midst is an impassioned God. Many of your translations probably say a jealous God. Lest the anger of the Lord your God blaze forth against you and he wipe you off the face of the earth. We hear stuff like that and we're like, whew. That's, that's intense, and, and God actually um, did that. So in, in later on, there, Israel had kings. So there was King Saul, King David, and then King Solomon. King Solomon's son was a real jerk, and it split the kingdom. So there were these 10 of the tribes went to the north, and it was the northern kingdom of Israel. Two of the tribes stayed south in Jerusalem in that area, and that was the southern kingdom of Judah. Israel was cap taken captive by the nation of Assyria. They were taken off and never heard from again. This, that, that verse right there. Their, their idolatry led to them being conquered by the, the nation of Assyria and never heard from again. They were wiped off the face of the earth. And the the southern, the southern kingdom, Judah, was hauled off to Babylon. Babylon was conquered by Persia, and the Persians sent them back. And so that's, that's, that's also why we call them the Jews rather than the Israelites now, because it's 
the southern kingdom of Judah, the Jews. So that's a um, little history lesson there. But, but God, God literally did this. He, he wiped them off of the face of the earth because of their idolatry and following after the other gods. They didn't do things God's way, and so they didn't long endure. They didn't increase greatly. Things didn't go well with them anymore. Verse 16, do not try the Lord your God as you did at Masa, which means testing. Be sure to keep the commandments, decrees, and laws that the Lord your God has enjoined upon you. Do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord. And here's that phrase again, that it may go well with you, and that you may be able to possess the good land that the Lord your God promised on oath to your fathers, and that all your enemies may be driven out before you as the Lord has spoken. Moses is pleading with the people do what God has told you to do. Things will go so well for you in this land you're about to enter into. Things are going to go so well for you to just do the things the way that God has told you to do them. Now, that being said, I just want to point this out that that doesn't mean that their life was absent of conflict. Um, the very next thing that they do is they, all, they go to war, okay? So obviously there was, there was conflict in their future. Things were not always easy and smooth, but doing things God's way leads to, leads to good, good things. Verse 20, when in time, come, time to come, your children ask you, what mean the decrees, laws, and rules that the Lord our God has enjoined upon you? You shall say to your children, we were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord freed us from Egypt with a mighty hand. The Lord wrought before our eyes marvelous and destructive signs and wonders in Egypt against Pharaoh and all his household, and us he freed from there, that he might take us and give us the land that he had promised on oath to our fathers. Then the Lord commanded us to observe all these laws, to revere the Lord our God for our lasting good and for our survival, as is now the case. It will be, therefore, to our merit before the Lord our God to observe faithfully this whole instruction as he has commanded us. So Moses has not only given them instructions on, on how they should live, but they, he's given them instructions on how they interact with people who ask questions. Because even back then, God's laws don't always make sense. Right? Like They, they don't. They don't always make sense. And sometimes it takes a child to point that out. You know, I, I could just imagine in, in some of those households, why don't we work seven days a week? Why do we take off every Sabbath day? Like, why today? It rained all week. We couldn't work all week anyway. So why are we still taking off the Sabbath? We need to get work done, Dad. Well, son, we were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. The Lord freed us from Egypt with a mighty hand. He commanded us to observe these laws, to revere the Lord our God, and for our lasting good. Well, why is it such a big deal to only worship the Lord? Why can't we worship Baal too? You know, as long as we keep the Lord first, we, why can't we worship you know, Baal and Ashtoreth and all these, all these other ones? Why is that such a big deal? We were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. And the Lord freed us from Egypt with a mighty hand. He commanded us to observe these laws to revere the Lord our God and, and for our lasting good. Now, now for us, 
we are not Israelites getting ready to go into the land of Canaan and into this promised land flowing with milk and honey. And yet for us, we face kind of the same sort of struggle. Because we do live in a land full of blessing. I know over Christmas, uh, many of you maybe can sympathize. I ate till I burst, or till I almost burst. I felt like I was going to burst. I didn't really burst, in case anyone was worried. Uh, I, I, on several occasions, felt like I was probably going to explode. Going from family dinner to family dinner. And we live in a land of, of great abundance. The fact that um, most in our country are not wondering if they're going to have food today is, um, is, a, is a sign that we live in a, in a land of great abundance. And yet, that, that's the warning. That's the danger. Is that when you're in this land of abundance and things are going well and you have all these things that are just handed to you, be careful not to forget the Lord. Do things that are going to help you remember the Lord. He even gives them the words to say when these things come into question. Yeah, so, maybe, so maybe for today we, we flip over to the New Testament and we say, well, why shouldn't I get revenge? Why shouldn't I get payback? Why does it say to not, to not repay anyone evil for evil? But overcome evil with good? When does that work other than a superhero movie, right? And yet, you say, well, you see, I was, I was a slave to sin. And Jesus freed me from sin with a mighty hand. And he wants me to live his way. To honor him and for my lasting good. I mean, why shouldn't I put myself first? Look out for number one, right? If I don't watch out for me, who's going to? Well, you see, I was a slave to sin. And Jesus, Jesus set me free from sin with a, with a mighty hand. And he wants me to live his way. To honor him and for my lasting good. Well, why? We went to church last week. Why do we have to go again? Or, or maybe it's not even a kid, right? Maybe it's, it's a coworker or a friend. Like, don't you want to just sit and play video games with us? Come on, man. Like, why are you running off to church? See, I, I was a slave to sin. Jesus freed me from sin with a mighty hand. He wants me to live his way, to honor him for my lasting good. We need to put things into place into our lives. We need to put things in place that will help us to, to remember. It's the reason we take communion every week. I know many, many people come from different church backgrounds and stuff where, where communion maybe isn't served every week. But that's why we do it. 
in part because Jesus said, every time you get together, do this in remembrance of me. And so when we get together, we do this in remembrance of him. Uh, but, but, but part of it is, is this idea that we, we're forgetful. And especially when things are going well, we need these, these tangible reminders. We don't just need to, to talk about these things, but as it says, you put them as a, as a sign on your hand, let them serve as a symbol on your forehead, inscribe them on the doorpost, put it in front of you in tangible ways. There's a, there's a book that um, Heather and I have uh, called Pass It On that is, is about that section right there. There have been many parenting, Christian parenting books that have gone off of the whole um, talk about it when you get up and when you lay down, when you walk along the way and when you are sitting at home. But then that, that next section, he talks about this idea of having these, these tangible things to remind you of the life God has called you to. And so um, I'll, I'll use this one because it's one that's kind of in the front of my mind. Uh, for, for kindergarten, okay, it's an invitation to generosity. And so the whole idea is you have this conversation with your kindergartner about, uh, about well, what are some things that are not, are not good in the world? What are, what are some difficult things? And so because developmentally, they're, able to start, they're starting to be able to think outside of their own their own needs and their own wants. And so you have this conversation and they throw out some ideas. Well, there's this, there's this, there's this. And, and then you, you settle on something. It can be something big, something small, whatever. Um, it could be you know, gathering coats or you know, raking somebody's leaves. And, you know, and if, say you rake, rake somebody's leaves. And you go and you, you rake them up because they have no one to rake their leaves for them and they really want them raked. And that. You, you rake them up, you, you pile all the bags, and then you take a picture together. You get the picture printed and you, you put it in a frame and you put it on the dresser of your kindergartner. And you say, remember, remember that God wants us to be generous with what we have. God wants us to be, to be generous with our time and our energy. And even now, when you look at that picture, you remember that you are not too small to do something about it. And now there's this physical, tangible reminder sitting there on a shelf reminding them that there's a way of living that God calls us to. That's what, again, that's what we do with communion. That there's this, this physical, tangible, edible reminder of what Jesus has done for us. And by connection there, what Jesus has called us to that Jesus calls us to come and die to ourselves so that we may, that we may live. And so, as we embark on a new decade, as we take our first steps into 2020 uh, this week, let us consider who we will become. You know, a lot of times... Uh, New Year's resolutions and stuff are all about things I'm going to do this year. I'm going to lose this much weight. I'm going to do this or that. For a 10-year plan, that's probably not very helpful. Um, but setting goals about who, who am I going to become? I can tell you this. I'm a much different person than I was 10 years ago. I, I hope you are too in many ways. There's some ways that I haven't changed a whole lot over those 10 years. Some of those things probably need to change in this 10 years. 
So as we consider this, let's keep these, these words at the front of our minds. Just like the, just like the Israelites reminded themselves that they were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, the Lord freed them with a mighty hand. Now they were to observe laws, to revere the Lord and for their lasting good. So for us, we remember, we were slaves to sin. And Jesus freed us from sin with a mighty hand, and maybe you might add with with outstretched arms. He wants us to live his way, to honor him and for our lasting good.